Live from the Boost Mobile Big Game Center Stage at Mandalay Bay, Sam Rajovsky here, your voice of reason in a chaotic world. Greetings, friends. Welcome to the What's Right Show. Yes, I'm back here at the Mandalay Bay, um, at the press center, whatever this is, radio row, whole bunch of radio people in the room talking about sports. Apparently, there's some kind of game going on this week, so I am here to talk to you about stuff that actually matters. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to get angry looks from people around me. But listen, I I woke up, as did you, no doubt, about hearing that Trump's immunity claim was rejected by the Court of Appeals. This is a three-judge panel that, you know, that, uh, that, that made this very predictable decision. Let me explain to you why this is absolutely, unbelievably insane to me. Now, I'm look, let me put on my lawyer hat here. The only issue before the courts right now are determining if, for his official acts as president, Donald Trump enjoys constitutionally granted immunity. That's the only question. There is no concern at this point getting into the merits of the case. What did he do? What didn't he do? What the allegations are? The only question is... Did he, at the time this all happened, was he president? And is, are his actions covered by immunity? Now, you, you, I mean, this, imagine for a minute, let's step away from Trump. Imagine for a minute that uh, some enterprising conservative activist lawyers following Barack Obama's term in office decided decided that they would put together a either a lawsuit or, let's say this, better yet, had friends within the Department of Justice under Trump got, let's say, Bill Barr or Jeff Sessions for the two minutes that he was in office, got them to file criminal charges against Obama for, you know, let's, let's list it, Fast and Furious, for Benghazi, for, you know, Dropping, dropping cluster bombs on, you know, on, on purportedly innocent people that were perceived to have been terrorist actors. So it starts to become, it's, that, that's it. If the courts were to open this door, which is why I'm convinced, I'm convinced that a reasonably acting Supreme Court will never allow this because you're, you're opening Pandora's box. Every future president of the United States would be absolutely crippled in his ability to perform his executive function for fear that subsequently, you know, four years later, when his successor, his opponent's successor is in office and things are, you know, a little different, politically speaking, in D.C., would be facing criminal repercussions. Our founders set this republic in such a way to prevent that from happening. Okay. So with that, let me tell you the most astonishing thing. On page 38, there's about 50-some pages in this court of appeal ruling. But on the 38th, let me make sure I'm not misleading you. Yeah, I've got it here. 38th page, yes. There's a paragraph. There's a particular section of the paragraph. And and it's astonishing to me because... The appellate court is not, is not, let me repeat, supposed to go in and decide any of the facts. 
The facts are actually irrelevant. You don't need to get into a discussion of what Trump did or, or allegedly did or purportedly did. The narrow question is, did he have immunity? And the immunity is not specific to one thing and not another. It's general blanket immunity for while he's in office. Does that make sense? So they, they start getting into the facts. And they're polluting the lower court's impartiality. They're making these allegations a matter of fact, even though they're putting the word alleged in there. So let me read this to you. Second paragraph, page 38. Former President Trump's alleged conduct conflicts with his constitutional mandate to enforce the laws governing the process of electing the new president. Oh, so what are they talking about here? One, they're presupposing already that he did violate that, which is not part of the question. That's not the issue before the court. But it gets, it gets funny. Because the paragraph, the very paragraph where they make that, what I think is a, a serious blunder, there's a little sentence here. And stop me, folks, if this... You don't have to be a lawyer, right? You don't have to be an expert to understand the absurdity of what I'm about to read to you. And I quote, this is from the opinion released. It's big news today that this one level of the court appeals three judge panel said that, that Trump doesn't have immunity. It's going to go up to the full appeals court and, and most definitely uh, will end up at the Supreme Court if, if they decide to, uh, to, to make the same decision that the three judge panel did. Okay, here's the, here's the quote. The president, of course, also has a duty under the take care clause to faithfully enforce the laws. Oh, let me do that one more time. The president, of course, also has a duty under the take care clause to faithfully enforce the laws. So what is going on besides this decision? What's the big news this week, right? What is everyone talking about here? We're all talking about how Biden can't get off his rump and enforce the border. And you have a Democrat-run shill, you know, appellate court here going, oh, President Trump has a duty to duly enforce the laws. And at the same time, they're turning around and saying, well, hey, well, you know, I mean, Biden can't do anything. He can't do it. Poor guy, if all he needs is those wimpy Republicans in the Senate to bend over and take it in the rear. These people are so inconsistent. It is maddening to me. It is absolutely maddening. And that's the thing. When your standard veers from a constitutional standard, when your standard veers from a legal standard, when your standard deviates from, you know, what's right and what's wrong, and your only North Star is get Donaldus Maximus, get Donald Trump, get the scalp, destroy him, take him out of the race. The lies start to not match up. The logic begins to fail. The dots do not connect. And that's precisely where we're at. This is the great absurdity of it. Now I'll remind you that part of this whole thing, part of this whole problem right now is, believe it or not, the, the question of this 14th Amendment business, because that's the case that that underlying all this is a 14th Amendment case that, that Donald Trump caused an insurrection. That's why they are striking him from the ballots. That's why they're trying to remove him and, and charge him criminally. You know, the, the causing an insurrection. And still, you know, I saw a piece. Robbie, I saw a piece. Where was this? 
Oh, yes, ABC News. <laughs> two days ago, they're running a piece about how two sentences in the Constitution rose from obscurity to ensnare Donald Trump. And they're almost in these, I mean, in these grossly exalting terms, talking about some douchebag lawyer who was stuck at home during the COVID pandemic and was bored and was sitting at home and decided to read the Constitution. Classic, by the way, story of a law professor. Finally gets around to reading the Constitution because there's nothing better to do. And what does he discover? Oh, there's this section in the Constitution that talks about, you know, that talks about what happens if there's an insurrection or causing an insurrection and people being barred from office? Now, we've discussed this, and because you listen to this program, you're better versed at this than these people that are actually teaching in law school getting paid to understand the law, which they certainly don't do. Because remember, yes, Section 3 does say that insurrectionists can't hold office, but there's an enforcement clause in Section 5. There's a law there's a law that was passed, and it's codified, and it's, in, it's, it's 2383 and 18 U.S.C. It's in the federal statutes. The only problem is Trump was never charged. He was never convicted. He was never—all of these cases, all of the lawsuits, all of these indictments, not one charged Donald Trump with 18 U.S.C. 2383. That's all you need to know. This is such a load of crap. Words cannot even begin to describe it. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian live from the Boost Mobile Big Game Center stage at Mandalay Bay. That's right, the What's Right show is on location at Radio Row uh, here in the the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Very uh, fun to be here with some of my colleagues. A lot of sports people, people walking around. High energy, I'm loving it. And of course, people kind of perplexed. I'm loud. I don't know if you guys know this, but when I'm doing the show, I'm, I'm very loud. And it's one thing if I'm in a room more or less by myself. I've got Robbie, you know, separated from me, but, but, but he's there. But, but it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm there. I can just shout in a, in a room by myself. Here, there are people around, and I'm not, uh, I'm not muting myself for that because I am here for all of you. Now, Yes, 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 talking about the appeals court decision. Deeply flawed. Donald Trump, according to the appeals court, does not have immunity, but only for the very narrow purpose of fulfilling his constitutional duty to see and preside over a peaceful transition of power, blah, blah, blah. But if you ask these same Democrat judges, is there a duty of a president, for example, <coughs> Biden, to enforce existing border laws, I'm sure they'd find a contortion of ideas that would support him being free and clear to do whatever the hell he wants. And that's my problem with it. You either either have immunity as president or you don't. You do, you don't. 
And I'm telling you, Republican or Democrat, as a lawyer, you're opening a can of worms if you go and monkey with the Constitution. You don't want to be in a position where, for example, you know, a president, you know, some years out of office could be held uh, responsible, criminally responsible for domestically, let's say, war crimes. Right? Can you imagine if Barack Obama had, his Justice Department had filed criminal charges against George W. Bush? against Colin Powell, just to name a few, a, na- a couple names, right, of people who you know, filing criminal charges against them and claiming that, you know, uh, alleging that they, they knew there were no weapons of mass destruction and, and, and initiated a war against Iraq on, on, uh, on faulty grounds and, and, and charging them with, you know, with, with, with mass murder. I mean, you, you, it's not inconceivable, by the way. There were people in the left-wing establishment in the country following the George W. Bush term who advocated for this. Robbie, you remember this. This was, this was discussed. But, you know, Bush played nice and, you know, he let the media kick him around and never fought back. So, you know, he got the old back scratch from the establishment. No such luck for Donaldus Maximus. All right. And they're still, yes, and they're still hung up on the, uh, on the 14th Amendment, which is uh, just bananas to me, right? So uh, what, what is this procedurally, right? Because there's, there's the substance of a criminal case, and then there's the, the criminal procedure, how the case progresses through the courts. Next up would be for the entire uh, Circuit Court of Appeals here to, to hear this, this case. And... Um, and 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 if they and they they will make a decision. I would presume, uh, based on this, they likely will have the same finding as the three judge panel, which would be against Trump. The matter would then be appealed to the Supreme Court. By the way, if it doesn't matter what the outcome is, they could rule in favor of Trump, and the government, right? The special counsel here, yeah, Jack Smith's gonna gonna appeal the case. So in in any event. I believe because there is such a significant constitu- constitutional uh, question at play, there's going to be this is going to this is going to end up uh, with the Supreme Court. Yeah, well, yeah, that's uh, the Latina over there is is complaining that it's a busy uh, busy it's a lot of work. <laughs> Did you hear? Yeah, Justice Sotomayor. I I didn't cover it when it came out, but last week. Uh, Sotomayor was complaining that it was a lot of work being a Supreme Court justice. Uh, I, 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 was, oh, I was at a meeting the other day here in Las Vegas and had an opportunity to speak to with a, a sitting uh, federal judge here in town. Her comment having transitioned from the state court to the federal court, and it's a little bit different, of course, at the Supreme Court, but her comment was that you have fewer cases that come before you in the federal court, but there's more, they're more complex. Uh, so, you know, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of reading. Yes. Yeah. And this, by the way, the comment about Sotomayor saying, you know, that, that she's tired and whatever, she's getting a lot of pressure to step down because what's happening behind the scenes, there's a fear, of course, that Trump becomes president and that Sotomayor will be the next one to keel over. Uh, on the Democrats, on the liberal justice side, 
Uh, and of course, they don't want a repeat of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, where, where Ginsburg, you know, held on, held on, believed the hype, thought Hillary was going to become president, thought she'd have a couple more, three more years, and would be able to be gracefully replaced. Um, you know, at the you know at the end of Hillary Clinton's term in office, none of that worked out, and you know the rest. Yes. Okay. Now. I want to point something out again, very important, that from the ruling against Trump comes this beautiful line. The president also has a duty under the take care clause to faithfully enforce the laws. So, I, I know there's been developments. Listen, Biden and everybody else and even, even Republicans in the Senate are pushing this disastrous immigration bill on us. They are, and they, they are unrelenting. They are unrelenting. And it's, uh, well, I mean, Langford himself is out there selling it, right? Langford said that, you know, that the, he's full on embracing the way Biden is putting it out there, the way the Dems are. Langford's a Republican senator. And he's the one who's led the charge on this. This is what he's saying. Are we as Republicans going to have press conferences and complain the border's bad and then intentionally leave it open? After the worst month in American history in December, now we've got to actually determine, are we going to just complain about things or are we going to actually address and change as many things as we can? If we have the shot, and it's amazing to me, if, if I go back two months ago and say we had the shot under a Democrat president to dramatically increase detention beds, deportation flights, lock down the border to be able to change the asylum laws, right. to be able to accelerate the process. No one would have believed it. And now no one actually wants to be able to fix it and says, I don't want to even debate it. I don't want to discuss it. We have to decide right. as Republicans, what are we going to actually do about the border? Leave it open or actually leave it closed? Be because it's a pork addled limp biscuit. That's what it is. It's, it's a nothing. It's Fugazi, and he talks about this. He's trying to defend, by the way, the 5,000, you know, threshold per day, at which point, you know, some of the provisions of this kick in. Listen. And this authority is a 5,000 authority to say, if you get to 5,000, which we've been there every single day, except for seven in the last four months, that it completely closes the border down. It deports everyone. It changes the paradigm from right now what the Biden administration is doing is catching and releasing everyone to actually catching and deporting everyone. It literally flips the script on it. I don't buy it. I've read the bill. I don't buy it. That's not true. And the most important thing is in a separate section, in a separate section, this particular, this particular proviso can be overruled by Mayorkas. This guy's invested in it. He's a co-author. He wants peace. He wants, he wants, you know, he's more Washington than he is his home state. He's more them than he is us. That's the problem. And by the way, this, when, I, when I say this thing is filled with pork, I'm telling you, there is so much money being spent and given out and handed out. Well, how much was it, Robbie? $2.33 billion? Just to some NGO groups, probably very Democratic-centered, uh, right? $2.33 billion to help, to help them resettle migrants in the U.S.? I've read the language. They're, they're passing it off as something to help the, the Palestinian refugees, but it's not. It can be used here. It can be used domestically. It can be used in Mexico. It can be used in Central America. 
Why are we paying for this stuff? Shut the border down. Close the border. Then you don't have to worry about deportations. You don't have to worry about beds. Such a load of crap this all of this is. Okay, I'll be back in a moment. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. See you in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Live from the entertainment capital of the world, specifically from the Boost Mobile Big Game Center stage at Mandalay Bay, Sam Rajovsky here, your host of the What's Right Show. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw is my email. Please email me with comments, questions, concerns. Uh, great to uh, hear from you. And if I, I'm, I've got my, got my laptop here, we're set up at Radio Row. Uh, so I'm I'm not I don't have all of my regular equipment, but it is working. It's 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 fine, and I I do have my email here, so please do reach out. We are live, we are local, and if you send me a comment or a concern, I will uh, reply to it on air. So here we go. I <laughs> Biden held a press conference about this, believe it or not, answered questions about the border crisis. And the bill, the solution, the great heralded fix. He's been president for three years. He uh, supposedly, um, you know, I mean, we know he has the ability to, under federal law, to uh, close the border. He has the duty to enforce the laws. And we also know that he hasn't done it and now is making it seem that it's the Republicans' fault. So here's what Biden said about the bill. And, um, and, and his concerns, listen to this nonsense. It's been an extraordinary effort by Senators Lankford, Murphy, and Sinema. The result of all this hard work is a bipartisan agreement and the toughest set of reforms to secure the border ever. Now, all indications are this bill won't even move forward to the Senate floor. Why? A simple reason. Donald Trump. Oh! Because Donald Trump thinks it's bad for him politically. Therefore, he doesn't even know it's helpful to the country. He's not for it. Okay, okay. Cut it. I, it's Donald Trump's fault. He's the boogeyman. You know, I, you think that uh, Biden, when he goes to sleep at night, checks under his bed, lifts up the, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, lifts up the, the comforter and looks under the bed. Hey, Donald under there. He's... <laughs> It's in his head. Um, I, I, what he's trying to do is he's trying to intimidate lawmakers and make it make make them fear being labeled minions of Donald Trump. And right now, Biden thinks that that's effective. He thinks that lawmakers, as a general rule, do not want to be tainted by Trump. I don't think that's true at all. But he thinks that Biden thinks that. But don't worry. Uh, it got worse from there because Biden then launches into something about MAGA being opposed to Ukraine funding and to helping Israel. This bill would also address two other important priorities. First, it provides urgent funding for Ukraine. Every month that passes without new aid Ukraine means fewer artillery shells, 
fewer defense air, air defense systems, fewer tools for Ukraine to defend itself against this Russian onslaught. Just what Putin wants. For those Republicans in Congress who think they can oppose funding for Ukraine and not be held accountable, history is watching. The position of the MAGA Republicans can be characterized by the New York Times headline. First, this is the headline. It reads, Trump first, Putin second, America third. What is he talking about? Biden himself publicly refused to sign, said he would absolutely not support a single item spending bill for Israel. And he knows he can't have a single subject spending bill for Ukraine because at this point it wouldn't pass. That's why he's trying to ram it through attached to something that Republicans, that he knows Republicans want. This is everything that we as regular normal Americans are frustrated with uh, in our government is here. This is exactly it. This is the problem. Imagine... I, uh, man, I, I'm trying to think. Imagine a private business. Imagine in my company at Sam and Ash, we had some, we have some advertising to buy. We have rent to pay. We have some spending on a new soda machine that the employees want. We want some stuff all put together. Things we need, things we want, things we want but don't need. You get the picture. Imagine lumping it all in one do or die budget. If companies operated this way, if this would, if this would actually, if if this was the way companies were run, uh, we, everybody would be out of business in, in three to four months. It's wild, but when they're spending fake money, fugazi money, when they're spending money borrowed from China, when they're spending money that they print, and then devalue our savings, our stocks, our bonds, our real estate, our salaries, it's all fun and games. Now, by the way, uh, in, in comments about this, you know, Senate, uh, excuse me, House Majority Leader Mike Johnson uh, basically comes out and says exactly this, that, that, that Biden's refusing clean bills. Listen. President Biden came out and said that he would actually veto the legislation, the clean funding bill, to help our ally Israel at its time of greatest need. Israel is at war. Uh, they, they're fighting for their very existence. And the president has our troops in harm's way now because of the deterrence effort against Iran. And he is suggesting that he would not send the funding to abandon our ally right now. Yeah, could, let's I mean, let's say I, I personally think money spent on Israel is, is well spent. <laughs> Let Israel clean things up. They're going to be far more effective at it than than we are, to be blunt. But give, give, us, give us a single subject spending bill. I guarantee you it passed the House, and I believe it passed the Senate. But Biden doesn't want that because he wants to add candy in there for the stupid Palestinians. Listen to this. He, this, this is wild. This bipartisan agreement also provides Israel with what it needs to protect its people and defend itself against Hamas terrorists. And it will provide the necessary life-saving humanitarian assistance for the Palestinian people. By opposing this bill, they're denying aid to the people who are really suffering and desperately need help. You know, it's bad enough that this guy doesn't know what world leader from the 1980s he met with last week. But here's, here's the issue. Did we not learn anything 
in the days, months, years leading up to October 7th, where is all this aid to the Palestinian people going? Where, where's it going? Because it's not going to help the Palestinian people. I hate to break it to you. All of that money is going straight into the coffers of Hamas, to the PLO, all right? It's going straight there. It's going to Hezbollah. It's go- that's where this money's ending up. We are funding both sides of this conflict. We're very good at this, of course, because we're America. But it's time to be common sense about this. Why would we give aid now at a time when you know, Israel seems to have Hamas on the defensive? And, 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 and Biden wants to drop 14 billion, whatever it is, 13, 14 billion uh, to, uh, to Israel, and then an equal sum, I believe that's what it was. Correct me if I'm wrong, Robbie. Look it up. I think it was 12 to 13 billion, almost virtually identical sum to, uh, to the Palestinians. Because he has to play both sides. He doesn't want to lose Democrat voters that are, that are of course, pro-Israel. He doesn't want to lose Democratic voters that are Hamas terrorist sympathizers. This thing, honestly, the longer, the, the, each day that goes by this thing just stinks more and more. It is a decaying carcass of legislative mess. And um, I, yeah, well, what do you mean? You, you didn't hear that thing about uh, what, what he was, <laughs> Biden, yeah, Biden, yes, Biden, Biden was literally talking about Mitterrand. Uh, Francois Mitterrand, you didn't catch this? Oh my gosh. Here's, here's Biden saying he was at the G7 meeting, okay? This is comments, I think this was yesterday in Vegas. And, and he's, he's, he's talking about how he, how he, who he met with. And he first confuses Germany with, yeah, this was Sunday. It was in a speech here in Vegas. Listen. You know, right, right, right after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. And it was in, it was in the south of England. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, why, why how, how long are you back for? Okay, well... Uh, Francois Mitterrand was uh, the French president uh, for two terms. He has been dead for 30 years. Um, and um, then the German chancellor, I don't know if he's referring to Otto von Bismarck, um, uh, but it's just, uh, but I guess, I guess Otto von Bismarck, um, <laughs> who's been dead even longer, really helped put January 6th in a perspective for him. <laughs> oh, and he, he, uh, he, he maybe wants to debate Trump. <laughs> That's another. He got, he asked, yeah, well, Trump challenges. Okay, quick break. I'll tell you about this. <laughs> Can you imagine for a minute what it would be like? Donald Trump versus this guy, the carcass of Joe Biden debating on stage. It would be like one of those bodies exhibits, you know, where they have the plasticized uh, uh, dummies. Uh, anyway, Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. <laughs> You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Bringing you straight talk from the right side of town. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. The What's Right Show is live today and 
rest of the week from the Boost Mobile Big Game Center stage at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, fun to be here, surrounded by a lot of great radio energy. Uh, so, well, you know what? I'll tell you, something about Vegas and being around Vegas is really invigorating. There is. There's energy here. You cannot help but have energy when you come to Las Vegas. I don't... I was... I thought, okay, perhaps a little naively, but I thought, Robbie, that when, you know, when, when uh, President Biden came here, was here the last few days, that... That he would, yeah, I thought that he would, he came on Sunday, he left yesterday, okay, it was two days. Well, I thought that he perhaps would have been a little invigorated by the energy that we have here in uh, Sin City. Yeah, did not happen. Uh, did, not, <laughs> did not happen. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, some of these comments were wild. Here's... I already mentioned Francois Mitterrand. He's like talking about President France Mitterrand. He's been dead for, for 30 years. Here he's talking about, I guess, um, that the Chancellor of Germany. Listen, listen. And the, and the Chancellor of Germany said, what would you say, Mr. President, if you picked up the paper tomorrow in the London Times, and the London Times said, a thousand people break through the House of Commons, break down the doors, two bobbies are killed in order to stop the election of the prime minister. What would you say? I never thought about it from that perspective. What would we say if that happened in another democracy around the world? Okay. Yes, well, I, look, um... (laughs) What, you you think, that's it... Do you really think that this conversation happened? Do you think that somebody said to him, from Germany, the leader of Germany, whoever it was, whoever he was referring. I mean, if he's talking to dead leaders, maybe he met, you know, maybe he met Bismarck, who died, I think, in, what, 1890. Um, It could have been, it could have been a subsequent chancellor of Germany. Uh, Yes, could have been. But, uh, you know, Biden's always ambling around, shaking hands with ghosts, so I'm, I'm not surprised he's communing with dead former heads of state. Um, but, but I, don't, I don't even believe this conversation happened. He is a fabricator. He's a serial fabulist. And so uh, it's, but so then it, it got kind of funny yesterday because when he's here, and by the way, he goes to a boba shop, a terrible boba. Of all the places to get great boba, he goes to this, to this dumpy spot. But that's a separate issue. Trump, uh, you know, had challenged Biden to debate him. Here's the, uh, here's the challenge, how it was thrown down on the Dan Bongino show. He can't talk. He can't do anything. He's ruining our country, and I don't think he's going to run. And I don't know if it's donors or otherwise. It might be his family. It might be something. I don't think he's yeah. going to run. But I'd like to yeah. call for immediately debates. I'd like to debate him now because we should debate. We should debate for the good of the country. So I will officially on your show call. Oh, wow. Donald J. Trump calls for debates against uh, Joe Biden. That's great. We're breaking some news here. And get him to change his ways. But I am officially doing that. I also put out, you probably noticed, that I'll take his spot at the Super Bowl if they want. Oh, yeah, because, by the way, we're all here for the Super Bowl, right? It's happening in Vegas. And I think this will be the second year in a row that Biden does not participate in a in a traditional sit down interview, presidential interview before the Super Bowl. So so there's that. So what do you think? Biden has no idea that this occurred and he gets accosted 
Uh, well, it's not a custom. A reporter shouts out, hey, 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 Trump is challenging you. So this is as he's in front of the number one boba tea shop in Las Vegas, which um, even the Nevada independents come out saying it might be the biggest blunder of the campaign of all the Vegas boba spots to go to. The number one boba tea is not the spot. <laughs> so so guy yells out at, at Biden, hey, Trump wants to debate you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Donald Trump is ready to debate you right now. Do you accept? <laughs> 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 like that on radio. Thanks, guys. Immediately. Yes. Mm-hmm. Will you debate him? debate me too. If I were him, I'd want to debate me too. Yeah. No crap, Biden. You know why? Because <laughs> Biden. <laughs> Biden knows that he'd be toast. He'd be. Toasted on the spot. By the way, Robbie, do we know? I think that might have been a passerby. I'm looking at the video. I don't think it was a reporter. I think it was a uh, a nice Las Vegan concerned citizen, perhaps a listener of this program who shouted this out at him. Hey, Trump wants to debate you. We got to find this lady. This is funny. This is funny. It's great stuff. So, I mean... Yeah, where's my, yeah, this is, then you get news stories like this published yesterday. Market Watch pulls out a piece. Conventional wisdom said Trump couldn't win in 2016. This historian's keys said he would. What are those keys telling us today? And it goes this whole story. American University professor Alan Lichtman has 13 historical predictors um, of victory that supposedly favor Biden. Where, which one, is there a key, I need to ask, is there a key where he can't complete a whole sentence? Is there a key where he's shaking hands with invisible people? Is there a key where he's walking off stage (laughs) to places where there aren't even doors? Is there there some sort of indicator of likely victory for him that give him extra points? for having to have his aides write on cue cards the questions that then are teed up from reporters, basically staging every, you know, even spontaneous press encounter, press conference. You know, I, that's the thing. I think we're, folks, we're in unprecedented territory. So you're going to hear a lot of people at the water cooler, you know, at work say to you, wow, you know, I saw this piece where I think, you know, I heard some guy talking about how there, you know, there's these three things that always happen for everybody. And I think, you know, Trump's going to lose. Biden's going to win. It's going to be a big surprise. I, I don't have the answer. Okay. But neither does anybody else. But what I will tell you is that it is a free for all. And one thing we can't forget, too, and this is a factor in all of this. Is, is what does, you know, what does RFK Jr.'s candidacy do? Because he held a rally here in, in, uh, in Vegas uh, last week, and it was, was, was good. He's making great points. I'll play one of those three when we come back. But, but I'm, I'm just saying, he's, he's running as an independent. He's going to get on some ballots. A lot of people like him. A lot of people don't like Trump, don't like Biden. I, I think in a binary contest, Biden and Trump, it's, uh, it's pretty straightforward. And this, by the way, is one of the reasons why Trump is out there making, and the, the, the RFK Jr. campaigns uh, confirmed it, that Biden made overtures 
to RFK, uh, offering him the vice presidential position, and, and it was turned down. So that seems to have been confirmed. And that, by the way, that would be, folks, I got to tell you, that would be the right move for Trump. Um, not saying RFK is a great vice president, but politically. Because I, I think uh, it's too early to tell. It'll depend on some of his positions. I think, uh, you know, RFK Jr. is a fairly uh, decent leftist, right? So I think once that starts coming out, it's going to turn away some of his support. But it's a factor. It's a factor. But 13 predictors, 13 historical predictors that favor Biden. There's this is we've never had a corpse running for president. That's something I can tell you. All right. A little bit on RFK Jr. when We come back. And then, by the way, have you seen those Apple Vision goggles? People walking around with them looking like zombies. Well, let me let me warn you about that before you encounter one of these folks. I explain to you what they're doing. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. today. And for the rest of the week, we are live from the Boost Mobile Big Game Center stage at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, yep, 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 yep. It's, um, it's fun. A lot of people in this room. I would guess... I'm always very bad at figuring out sizes of rooms. This is is an enormous part of the convention center at Mandalay Bay. And, yeah, it's one of the big uh, exhibitor halls. It's got the big roll-up garage doors. uh, But it's all closed up, highly secure, and tons of desks set up, all wired up for radio stations across the country that are here for the Super Bowl. And I think so far we here in Vegas are doing a great job at – rolling out the red carpet for the Super Bowl. And and look, I'm not the biggest sports fan out there. You guys know this, but I I love I love I love sports here in Vegas. I I love that we have this as a as a, as a as a component of our city and as one of our entertainment offerings. And now that we've got a nice stadium, got the Super Bowl and um and I think this is uh, bringing a lot of people to the strip. By the way, did you Local story here before we get to RFK's visit, RFK Jr.'s visit to Las Vegas. Did you see that, um, yeah, this is a story came out today. Uh, Mayor Goodman, Carolyn Goodman, uh, thinks that the Oakland A's, this is a baseball team based in Oakland, California, that is leaving Oakland just like everyone else because Oakland is a cesspool of crime and misery. She thinks... Carolyn Goodman does, that the Oakland A's should stay in Oakland. That's right. Now, I love, by love, love Carolyn Goodman. Uh, we have a fantastic mayor. Um, uh, 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 she's a, a, just a dear person. Uh, but here's what she said um, on the Front Office Sports uh, Today podcast. I personally think they've got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland and make their dream come true there. And uh, one of her reasons for this, apparently, I guess... And I didn't know this, but apparently that, you know, the city of Las Vegas, those of you who aren't in Las Vegas, let me explain something about the city. The city 
there and there's the county, the Clark County. Okay, so Clark County has control over what 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 you all know as the Strip. Okay, so from from call it from the Sahara all the way to where I'm at, Mandalay Bay, and a lot of stuff around it is is Clark County and downtown Vegas where my office is in the Arts District and where Circuit Casino is, Fremont Street, that's city-controlled. So there's always this tension, you have to understand, between the county and the city. And there's I, this, this, this is a, a long-standing deal. And so I guess on the historic west side of town, the city of Las Vegas had offered the A's a spot to build a stadium, and, and they turned that down. And, um, and so there might be some, some bit of bad blood between the city of Las Vegas and the Oakland A's. Trust me, there, there are a lot of people that are unhappy about the deal with the A's coming to Vegas. Now, presently, as we know, the site is supposed to be not too far from where I'm at right now, which is where the Trop is, the Tropicana Hotel. Um, Tropicana Hotel has been around for, I mean, I... Robbie, what, what year was the Trop built? I, you know, all, all I can tell you that diamonds are forever. Okay, Sean Connery playing, you know, 007. He literally checks into a luxurious suite at, at the Tropicana. And that movie is old. So it's been around since, what, the 50s? But at any rate, the hotel's falling apart. Something needs to be done. So it's, it's supposedly going to be used for the site of the new stadium. Oakland A's are going to come here and... Yeah, it is what it is. So, um, just making you aware, there's, yeah, the Trop opened 1957. Thank you, Robbie, for finding that out on the fly. All right. All right, all right. I know, the city wanted it, right? But it makes sense to have it be close to where, you know, relatively close to where all the big hotels are. So, you can see the, the desirability of a team wanting to move, you know, closer to where the resort corridor is, which is the strip that was Clark County. All right. Well, yeah. Well, it was, it was here on the strip that RFK Jr. came to Vegas to hold a little rally. It's not like Trump's rallies, okay? It's not as exciting. But he got into draining the swamp, and I'm pointing this out to you because he is clearly going after Trump voters. And my original thing, because I, I've, I've followed RFK Jr. for a long time, and with the exception of his stance on COVID mitigation, vaccines, etc., I've known him to be a fairly radical lib. He is. He's a big environmentalist. He's a, he has, uh, you know, illusions of, of, of a confiscatory, fiscal confiscatory policy, okay? Taking money, big taxes for the rich. Etc. So I don't never seen him as, you know. I I, I mean, uh, Trump has populist tendencies. I just Trump is a pro business guy. I don't see RFK Jr. as a pro business guy. So I've always had him in that category. And I and I and on that basis, right? On that basis, I always sort of assumed going into this race that if we're you know were RFK Jr. start to take on some, I don't know, get some steam going that he would be pilfering Democrat votes. He'd be taking, you know, old school, you know, kind of, you know, the, the, the Bill Clinton and earlier Democrats away from Biden, who's becoming increasingly more radicalized. Well, I don't think that's true because a lot of people don't know what RFK Jr. is really all about, and RFK Jr. is using a lot of language that is very appealing to Trump voters. Listen to this. Everybody says they're going to drain the swamp in Washington, D.C., 
and I think they mean it, you know, these presidential candidates, I think President Trump meant it, but then, you know, they get into office and they're confronted by these agencies, and each one has their own problems, each one is, you know, they're all corrupt, they're all captured, but each one of them has different solutions. President Trump said that he was going to drain the swamp, but then he brought John Bolton in to run the NSA, who's like a, a, the template for swamp creatures. And he brought Mike Pompeo, who was, uh, you know, in to run the State Department, who is the most bellicose and belligerent uh, foreign policy, militarized foreign policy of any individual in our country. He brought Scott Gottlieb, a partner of, a business partner to Pfizer, in to run FDA, and Gottlieb gave a, did an $88 billion favor for his company, and then he left FDA to the board of, back to the board of directors to collect his payoff. Yeah. I, I you know, look, I, I, I don't disagree with any of what he just says here. I, my problem with him is that he's a socialist. I, my problem with him is he would favor the environment over, you know, common sense business practices. My concern about him is I, I don't think he, could, he can run a sandwich shop, let alone, you know, the federal government. I don't think he's going to clean up the FBI, the Department of Justice. I don't think he has that backbone. But he's certainly right when it comes to Pfizer. He's right when it comes to COVID. He's right when it comes to the vaccine. He's, and, he, and he's right here talking about the stuff that Trump failed to do, which I have been quite vocal, even as a big Trump fan, quite vocal about these being failings of Trump's, you know, in his first term. So... I'm just, I'm letting you know, you, you look at it, um, there's, you know, well, I, yeah, he's, he's, NBC News today, first thing today says he hopes to draw equal numbers, RFK Jr., hopes to draw equal numbers from both Trump and Biden, you know, and then, you know, the, yeah, the, the leftists, by the way, it's such a, it's, it's a funny thing. It'll really depend on how the next few months go and what people find out about him. Because on the left, they hate him. Mother Jones, for example, is, calls him, what, seven hours ago, is talking about how Zogby Strategies is collecting money. They have a, you know, the polling firm is helping uh, RFK Jr. and is calling him the anti-vax conspiracy theorist. So this is a guy that is going to draw heat from both sides. I think he's doing it deliberately. And I, you know, and look for him to, to, to really downplay his economic policy. I think, I think RFK Jr. is very dangerous. I think he's, his economic policy would be disastrous for our country. So that's, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to look beyond what's right in front of us, folks. I, you know, we get caught up on the Biden versus Trump thing, but there is this element. There is this component in the race, and he's not going away. In spite of how his voice sounds, by the way, he's literally operating with, with, with very few of his vocal cords intact, and he still sounds more vigorous, greater vitality than Joe Biden. Uh, that is, um, yeah, that's uh, self-evident. All right, Sam Rachofsky, News Talk 840, listening to the What's Right show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right.
a dedicated Karen-free zone, the What's Right Show, live from the Boost Mobile Big Game Center stage at Mandalay Bay. Great to be with you, friends. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. So, I was telling you, I promised I'd get to the story. It's fascinating. Have you seen these videos out there? Like it. We're going to have to put on our, on our social media accounts, at What's Right Show. Both Instagram, Twitter, well, you know, wherever you have your, your social media, at What's Right Show. We're going to put up some video of what it looks like when people are walking around with these new Apple virtual reality goggles. Because, friends, these people look like complete morons. They're walking. You can see. It looks like they can't see through the goggles. Yes. Well, that guy, Lakin, that guy ended up, he's driving his Tesla. He's wearing his Apple goggles, which he looks like he can't see through them, but you, in fact, you can. And he ends up getting pulled over. And the cops, yeah, you see, they're the police. So let's, 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 let's put that up on our socials. Anyway, here's a story about it in Vice Magazine. So they, um, yeah, the Apple Vision Pro turned the real world into a Black Mirror episode overnight. And it talks about how these, um, these, these cameras, these, uh, these goggles are basically, with, with their, with, people are walking around with them and they're hand swatting, they're making these gestures because unlike using a screen that's, on, that's you know, in your hand, on your phone, the, the, the information, things like YouTube videos or social media posts are all being displayed around you up in the air and you can sort of, you know, swipe with your finger or, or move things around. So people are making these gestures. They look like they're on drugs. In fact, they look like they are residents of, of, of San Francisco, uh, some of them. So this, um, this is happening and it's out there. So I, I'm, well, there's a guy that's saying, I watched a video where he said this is the way to do it. He's sitting there, he's watching, he's eating his breakfast. He can see everything in the room, but he has multiple screens going on. He can watch sports. He can watch, he's watching the stock market. He's watching his betting app. He's got his social media screen up at the same time as everything is going on. And I, here's the question. Do you think it's going to catch on? Right now, look, right now, this is a gadget. This is a, a what is it, $3,600, something like that. So it's prohibitively expensive. But it, it wasn't that long ago. In fact, when I was a kid, when, when cell phones were $5,000, right? So a $5,000 cell phone, you had, yeah, you, you know, that, that very few people had them. In fact, they first started as car phones. They had to be, you know, bolted in and plugged in, carried around like little suitcases. Eventually, there were these big bulky things you could actually hold in your hand. But, but, you know, eventually the technology, the cost of it went down. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if people are going to walk around with giant goggles on them, on, on them but, but the uh, other people are swearing they, like, they put their phones down. They don't need their phone. Do you ever, let me ask you, do you ever just get a little bit worried about where this planet is headed? Like we as a society, like do you, because sooner or later you're going to see some Yahoo walking around with these goggles on. And I, I, I think, I'm telling you, it, it's, did we put it up, by the way? Yeah, perfect. All right, it's up on the social. So if, you're, if you've got your goggles, right, you can, you can pull up the at what's right show Instagram, for example, or, the twi- or your Twitter, and you can see it right there. Boom, like a giant big screen. 
it'll change how people interact. It'll change how people talk to each other. We already don't do any of that. I see off, obviously, the opportunity here for the media and uh, people who control what information is on it, like Apple, to be able to completely take over people's realities. That's my criticism of it. I, you know, I just see very, very concerned the idea that, you know, you would have a company with this much power. By the way, another story all uh, along those same lines. You saw that Amazon now getting caught red-handed Jim Jordan uh, showing emails that he's discovered. Amazon was literally, and I mean literally, getting emails from inside the Justice, excuse me, the Biden administration, telling them what books to remove from circulation. So you remember, of course, it was the Biden administration that was also sending uh, messages to into Instagram to Meta, sending messages to Twitter saying, hey, take down this person's account. Take down this post over here that we don't like. But yeah, no, this, this, is, this is real. There are emails. Uh, some of the information from them has been redacted. But these are dangerous. This is, this is unprecedented, unbelievable stuff. And I want to remind you, this is coming from the same people, right, that are, well, that, that, are, that are claiming that, that we have, what, that Republicans are out there book burning and book, you know, <laughs> book canceling because what? Because some of these books in, in school libraries have, you know, uh, very explicit sexual references in them. So I, um, I don't know. I, I think this is going to be a, folks. This is a, this is this story hasn't really hit the mainstream uh, mainstream of, of of consciousness yet, but I think it's going to get there. And it's um, the Andy Slavitt. That's the guy again. The same guy that was out there banning accounts, requesting that Twitter take down people's accounts, like Alex Berenson and others who were outspoken critics of the Biden administration during COVID, now are out there sending emails. Hi, all. Here are the notes for our pre-brief discussion with the White House today. Books, curation, and guidelines. And they're actually internally asking themselves, this is Amazon, is the administration asking us to remove books? Or are they more concerned about search results or both? Astonishing. And this is, um, I, I mean, I, I can see why the media is not running with this, right? Here's another email. If you search for vaccines under books, see, I see what comes up. I haven't looked beyond that, but that's what's on the surface. It's concerning. Happy to get brief, but want to understand what the data, understand the data when we do. And this is from Andrew Slavitt, who is inside the government from his government email address. This is manifestly, openly unconstitutional. Again, anytime the government comes in and, and, and re requests private companies, tells private companies to remove written word, spoken word, any kind of information, any kind of speech based on the contents of that speech, that is very likely unconstitutional, and this, this case certainly is. And so that the more that this gets dug into and looked at, the more damaging it's going to be to Biden. But is this over people's heads? I think so. For a lot, most Americans, most people, this is a, not something that they're going to get hung up on. But they ought to, because these abuses by Biden right out of the gate, 
people running his administration were, were unbelievable. And all under the guise and protecting us from that stupid virus. Unbelievable. All right. You know, I love to talk about lawyers doing bad things. There's a lawyer in California being accused of some stuff. This is a, I think this is eventually going to turn into a Netflix special. Even if a small fraction of it is true. So let me share this with you when we return. Sam Arjofsky's here. I'm, I'm here. I'm, by the way, yeah, I'm live from the um, Boost Mobile Big Game Center stage at Mandalay Bay. The What's Right show is, is here. Lakin's beside me. Robbie's remote. We got the team. It's, um, it's really great to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this tremendously. But I, you, you will, when you hear this lawsuit that dropped, when was this filed? A month ago. But Ashley just sent it to me. I got, I, if you, if you want to know why there are so many lawyer billboards, I will explain it to you when we come back. All right. Stay tuned. You know where to find the podcast. Whenever we finish the program, we always put up a podcast at What's Right Show on, uh, well, on all the platforms. Odyssey app goes up on the um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the places. All right, friends. Stay tuned. Be back in a moment. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840. The What's Right Show will continue after this. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. We are live and local from the Boost Mobile Big Game Center stage at Mandalay Bay. Yes, it's fun. We're here. Uh, we're in the room. We are, we've taken the show on the road, literally. And, um, and it's, um, anyway, it's a pleasure to be here. An incredible crew from, from the station uh, supporting the program and, and making sure everything is is working just fine. So thank you, Ashley. Thank you, uh, Mark, uh, and uh, a whole team here. Just everybody's everybody's doing a phenomenal job. So I, I before I get to the story about this crazy lawyer in California that has been hit by an insane lawsuit that I want to share with you, I saw this story and I, I chuckled because you know, I've been to you know, Disney World and Disneyland many times. And apparently, according to the New York Post, story today by Alex Mitchell, saying that people are paying for classes on how to plan Disney vacations. Yes, you heard that right. Disney World in particular has become apparently so complicated that families are paying people to teach them classes, these webinars, on how to navigate the parks. That's on top of the price of actually going into the parks. Teresa Brown, a New York City resident who went to a, with her family to Disney World in August, told the Washington Post, I knew it would be complicated, but I don't think I could have imagined the Disney industrial complex was this complicated. The sheer brain power just to figure out the Disney lingo and landscape is monumental. So Brooke Raybold, uh, this is a content creator. She sells a 200-page, yes, you heard me right, 200 pages, Mom, Mom's Guide to Disney World. She sells it for $40. There's an entire system to doing Disney World the right way. 
Now, let me tell you. Let me tell you my reaction to this. Just uh, for those of you maybe who have not been to the parks in a, in, a, in a maybe a decade or more, I I think this is true. I think it's very complicated. If you don't know what you're doing, you could end up spending hundreds of dollars uh, per day on tickets and and maybe go on two or three rides and that be it. Because you've got this. This is this is Disney's big failing right now. They've they've. They're, they're tra- they, 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 they've got all these different ways of getting ahead of the line into the shorter line called you know, lightning lanes or they've, they've had different names. But basically, they're shorter lines and they and they you get the fast passes and whatnot. So you, you, you do that. But then you you also there's a regular line, the standby line, which tends to be depending on what two hours can be more than two hours long. Imagine you go to the park and you want to go on three rides and you don't know how to operate the, you know, the lightning lane system. And then, then what, what happens is you, 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 you'll end up six hours in line just to go on three rides. There goes your day, right? Add lunch, add a, add a, you know, add, add maybe dinner, add, add a show, fireworks, whatever it is. So it's, it's madness. So my take on this is Disney's got to simplify it, all of it. This is a this is a wake up call. People are making money now, which I love. It's our system making money on teaching people how to navigate Disney. I think Disney is uh, it needs needs a fix. All right. Speaking of needing a fix, my industry. Now you know when I talk here about uh, the What's Right Show, and of course our sponsor, Salmon Ash Injury Law Firm that I founded together with Ashley Watkins. Here in Las Vegas, we've got an office in California. So I'm very familiar with the California market. Used to live there, went to law school there, grew up there, went to school, went to undergrad uh, and, and, and you know elementary school, etc. So there is a major big advertiser there. You know, we've got a few billboards here in town too. Major advertiser called Jacob and Ronnie. Now, if you haven't been to California, you don't, you, you, but maybe you've driven to California, you've seen the billboards called Jacob. Now, he is being accused. These are accusations only in a lawsuit filed by a lawyer named Alex Guerrero. But he is being accused of, well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a class action or attempted class action suit of all sorts of horrible, horrible business practices. I would say <laughs> I, one of the worst things here that I read According to the attorneys that filed the suit on behalf of their client, that they have figured out, I don't know how they've come to find this out, but they're alleging that people inside of this lawyer's office are paying $100 bonuses to their employees if their employees convince their client, right, a client of the firm, to go through a medical procedure or a surgery. Can you imagine? And this, by the way, this is why people hate lawyers. This is why people who do what I do have a terrible reputation. And this is why what, you know, I've, I've, I tell you, I, day in and day out, whenever we are having meetings at the office and there's a question of what to do, I can tell you, that when it gets to me, when it gets to Ashley, the first thing we do here at Sam and Ash is we say, Look, what's the right thing to do? Well, the right thing to do is, I mean, it would seem to be self-evident, not to recommend to somebody or tell somebody to get a medical procedure that they don't need. And it certainly wouldn't be right for me to bonus my staff to encourage 
them to encourage our clients to do so. Wild stuff. Of course, there's the usual, there's allegations here of like $1,000 hidden fees, administrative fees that are automatically charged to clients, files going in, sitting there, um, you know, not getting worked on. You know, this client, this particular client who's filing this lawsuit, uh, he um, apparently had his case going in 2015 and it's, you know, and, and for five years, it basically just sat there and, and nothing happened on it. So he had to go and hire different lawyers and now is alleging that he's discovered that his case was mismanaged from top to bottom. I, again, we don't know. This, this case will get litigated and the facts will come out in a, in a, in, in a court of law. There'll be, there'll be a finding of fact unless it settles. But I have a feeling knowing of Alex Guerrero who's filed the suit, he's not somebody who's just going to uh, take a settlement. Uh, he's he's a little bit of an activist. I like that. He's gonna he's gonna push us forward. Our industry needs to get cleaned up from top to bottom, folks. It's it's terrible. I've I've mentioned it here before. And if I I hate to say this, but if you because this guy, I don't know if any of this is true, but this guy when I look at his billboards, he just looks like a sleaze bucket. He just looks sleazy, and. <laughs> I would never, I don't know, I would never hire him if I was a layperson looking to, you know, get represented. So it, it, and yeah, sometimes it's true. Sometimes I'm driving around town here in Vegas and I'm looking at some billboards. And I'm going, oh my God, what, who is that guy? And who would ever trust that face? And, um, and, and I don't know. And I, it, so I, this is, this is wild. We'll see how this case progresses through the system. Um, oh, oh, this, <laughs> you know, do you know what a statute of limitations is? You get a certain amount of time to file a civil case. And, and some criminal cases, right? You know, like criminal cases, for example, murder, you, there's, there's no statute of limitations for that. But civil cases, every civil claim has a statute of limitations. And those only, by the way, get lifted by states or changed to help people get Donald Trump. So like the E. Jean Carroll lawsuit, that happened so far long ago that her statute of limitations had long passed, but the, but the state of New York decided they were going to lift the statute and extend it and open it up just long enough so she could make her claim against Trump. But I digress. So you have two years here in Nevada, generally speaking, California the same, to file a personal injury case. And apparently, and if, by the way, if a lawyer doesn't file your case in two years, then you're out of luck. But then you have a legal malpractice claim against your lawyer. And the lawyer is required to come to you, palms up, and say, hey, I screwed up. I, I didn't file your case on time. So now, you know, you need to, you need to hire a lawyer and we, we need to work out a fair resolution. One of the allegations in this case, and I'll, well, I'll, I'll read it to you. Plaintiffs are informed and believe and they're an alleged that in all times, this gentleman, Imrani, frequently fails to, file, fa- to timely file lawsuits on behalf of his clients. He misses the deadline in which to file the lawsuit pursuant to the applicable statute. And on such occasions, he has fraudulently lied to the client, informing them that a settlement has been reached, prepared a falsified settlement agreement and release, and then paid the client settlement funds out of Imrani's own account. That's an allegation, but that is Wild. So those of you out in California that have seen the Call Jacob billboards, be aware of the story. Um, it's starting to hit some of the legal media, but 
And that's, you know, that's the problem. All these guys pay a lot of money to politicians and get a lot of protection. Tom Girardi, as you know, uh, facing a criminal trial over stealing literally tens of millions of dollars from his clients. You know, and he had everybody at the state bar, everybody from the governor on down, you know, wrapped around his finger, gave a lot of money. And so he got away with it for a really long time. And I just think this is this is terrible. So hope this case progresses forward and the facts are determined uh, quickly. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. By speaking of interesting facts, national news picking up on the Nevada Supreme Court. Apparently, they hosted a training on LGBT transgender issues for judges. We're in the news again. More on that when we return. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show is brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, because you deserve a lawyer that isn't going to steal from you. You deserve what's right. Hi, welcome back. Sam Urchofsky here. The What's Right Show is on. We're live and local, coming to you from the Boost Mobile Big Game Center stage at Mandalay Bay. Sad news today. Toby Keith uh, passed away very young. This is um, just a tremendous loss. Stomach cancer, 62. I believe, I believe that Toby Keith's last concert was here in Vegas in December. I could be mistaken about that. But one of the, one of the things that I, I, I love in all the tributes that are pouring into Toby Keith is he's this guy that, as a performer, as a musician, no question about it, he absolutely loved this country. And he was, you know, he may have had his, his political leanings, but he always was, was up for performing for Democrats, for Republicans, you know, when everybody uh, bailed on Trump's Inaugural, inaugural uh, you know, ball. He, I mean, he's the guy that showed up. He was there for Obama. He was just an American. He was a patriotic American. And um, so we lost, we lost a great one today. Very, very sad. Now, uh, slightly less sad to me, I will say, is the fact that Jennifer Crumley, the mom of the school shooter, uh, we talked about the story um, earlier in the week, or last week, I'm sorry, uh, Oxford High School mass shooter. We're not going to name him. I've mentioned her name, but nonetheless, mom is convicted. They found her guilty. Manslaughter for each of the victims. And, you know, I, I hope this will serve as a wake-up call to all the parents out there who are absentee parenting, who are not paying attention to their troubled kids, who are coasting through life. You know, one of the things that came out in this, in this case, uh, in this trial, was that she was having a you know, hot and heavy extramarital affair. So she was, she was wrapped up in that, wasn't paying attention to her kid, admitted that you know, she was, you know, maybe hadn't given him the attention that he needed. And um, one of the things, I guess, that came out in the trial, uh, and according to the jury forewoman, who spoke to Daily Mail, uh, she said that, that apparently in the testimony they found out that, that Jennifer Crumley was the last adult with the gun. And that, that's something that for the jury apparently was a major consideration. Here's a question, though. What happens in these cases where the parents have got this adult kid living 
with them, right? 18, 19, 20. The, this, you know, this adult child is in the house. The adult child is having all these packages arrive all the time, all these, you know, all these, all these shipments from various, you know, gun supply places, at magazines, scopes, expensive stuff. There have been a number of shootings like this where the kid just is not working at home. Parents are giving the money, and the money's being spent on building an arsenal in the house. That's going to be, that's going to be a more challenging case. I think there's some legal theories where you're basically contributing to the crime. You're aware of it. You almost are, are an, an accessory, and it depends on the way the local state law is written. Uh, but, you know, I, I hope, I hope, I hope this is a wake-up call that parents, particularly parents here in Las Vegas, right? We have, we have cases where situations where, where these, these little criminals are growing up under the noses of their tolerant parents who feel guilty for not giving them enough attention, guilty for working, guilty for being distracted, and consequently they allow their kids to get away with all sorts of stuff. So this, I hope, I hope, uh, gets people's attention. All right. Yes, Lakin, thank you for that. Yeah, December 14th, Dolby Live Park MGM Las Vegas was Toby Keith's last performance. And uh, I guess they went through all his kind of career hits and Red Solo Cup, Beer for My Horses, and Should Have Been a Cowboy among them. Very sad. Toby Keith passed away, 62 years old today. All right. Let me tell you, before we go, I got, I got to talk about this because we've made, it's not always good news when Vegas makes it uh, to national news, but <laughs> it's become national news. Daily Caller picking up the story that the Nevada Supreme Court hosted a training on LGBT, transgender issues, for judges, a July 23 course taught to judges at the Supreme Court here in Nevada uh, included, uh, I guess, instruction on how to recognize and consider using terminology, pronouns, and names to increase access for transgender and gender non-binary people in the courthouse. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, let me, by the way, let me give you a little bit of color to this that is not captured in the story. I don't know how many people, how many of our Supreme Court justices attended. The ones I know, I doubt they went to this. Okay, I'm just going to tell you that right off the bat. Um, there are all sorts of courses that are that are that are hosted, that are taught uh, for lawyers and for judges. Both judges in Nevada and, and even rank-and-file lawyers like me are required to get ongoing education credits every year, continuing it. So we have to, whatever it is, 13 units or 15 units, we, we, there's a certain number of hours every year that we're required to complete of continuing it. And so what the courts do is they'll, you know, for the judges, they'll bring in people to, to teach these courses. So that's what this was done as part of. But I tell... Trust me, when I tell you there are all of these liberal groups out there who, who are desperate to worm their way into the justice system and, and present this stuff. And I, I don't know how this, I don't know how this in any way, shape, or form helps impartially deliver justice to Nevadans. 
I think it's all indoctrination. And, of course, yeah, the, the uh, UCLA School of Law hosted this. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, who was the uh, – yeah, who was the – Todd Brower, who was the director of judicial education program at UCLA. Um, yeah, so the, that's great. So we had some, some nice California higher ed folks come here to Vegas to teach us about how to be more sensitive. Um, I'm glad it's coming to light. All, all of these programs – let me tell you, all these programs are, they're not doing anything to make the quality of whatever the field is better. All of the stuff coming out about the FAA, for example, about all the, all the woke stuff going on there, is that helping keep doors bolted on to Boeing aircraft? Is it? <laughs> well, I think you know the answer to that. Absolutely not is the answer. So, yeah, I know they found yeah the, bol- the the door that fell off that ill-fated Alaska Airlines plane. Uh, they found a bunch of bolts missing that were never put in place. And remember, I'm telling you, the the people that are supposed to make sure that those bolts are on the door are literally the FAA. So every time you see a news story about the FAA spending time doing things like hosting diversity seminars and diversity hiring and getting dwarves in to work at the FAA and all that nonsense. And yes, that's actually from a real FAA hiring document. Think to yourself, is any of this designed to make me flying in an airplane and you flying an airplane any better, any more safe? And the answer is, of course not. So there you go. All right, friends, we'll be back here tomorrow, 1 o'clock uh, yeah, it's um, it's fun to be here. Huh? Lakin, thanks for helping me out today. This is great. Mark, always great to be with you. Dan, Dan keeps everything moving. Robbie, Ashley. All right, we'll be back here tomorrow. Don't go anywhere, folks. More fun up next.